Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 1514, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the executive director of the BCC, Dr. Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. This episode is brought to you in part by The Gospel for Disordered Lives, a new book from B&H Publishing, authored by Kristen Kellen, Rob Green, and Robert Jones. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 1514. We are excited to have you as part of our audience. 2022 is right around the corner, which means a number of things are going to take place. But one of those is the end of the Building Bridges campaign for 2021. We haven't quite crossed the finish line of our goal of $3,200 a month in ongoing monthly donations. So if you want to help us push across that and achieve that goal, as well as achieving our mission of fostering unity around the primacy of the word of God and the care of souls, please jump online today and sign up to give that monthly recurring donation. We are in the midst of our third phase of the Building Bridges campaign, which is looking to the future. So we've been introducing you to some newer authors and newer leaders in the biblical counseling movement. And today I have the chance of sharing with you the personal story of one of those, our council member from Ecuador, Juan Moncayo, joins us today. Uh, You can look back in our archive and listen to the podcast that I did with Juan before to get a little bit more understanding about what's going on in in Ecuador and biblical counseling. But today you're going to get to hear Juan's testimony, his story of coming to biblical counseling, what ministry is like for him as a pastor in Quito, and uh, what he is working on educationally and otherwise in biblical counseling. We're excited and praying that the Lord will use Juan mightily and powerfully for decades to come in the biblical counseling movement and in the in the kingdom of God. So thank you for joining us. I hope that you are encouraged by what you hear and you have a wonderful Christmas holiday. So Juan Moncayo, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of 1514. Oh, dear brother, it's so great to be here with you. <laughs> Thanks for the invitation. Oh, it's my, my pleasure. Well, for those who haven't gotten to know you yet, could you please introduce yourself to our audience? Oh uh, yeah. Well, my name is Juan Moncayo. Uh, I have a long Ecuadorian Latin American name. So here I'm Juan Fernando Moncayo, but it sounds a lot like, uh, <laughs> like a crazy uh, name for like a movie or something. Uh, yeah. But uh, I was born and raised in Quito, Ecuador, uh, by God's grace. Um, um, now I'm back in my country after 10 years in the U S uh, I'm the lead pastor of La Fuente church. Uh, La Fuente became uh, the first uh, ACBC training center outside of the U S uh, other than uh, South Africa. Well, the first one in, in, in a different language that it's not English. Um, and by God's grace, that that's allowed uh, many ministry opportunities here in the region. I'm the lead pastor, so I get to preach and teach and also counsel. Um, yeah, and um, we're involved in a lot of biblical counseling training. Um, yeah, and uh, more imp- most importantly, I'm just a big sinner saved by grace. And I get the, the huge privilege to, to, to serve the Lord here in my country, which I'm really grateful for. Yeah, well, praise the Lord for that. And we're really excited for the work that's going on in Ecuador, which we'll have you share a little bit more about later. Uh, but just and and just the work that the Lord is doing through you and your family. Go ahead, tell us a little bit about your family as well. Uh, tell us your, about your wife, kids. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm married to Marissa. Uh, I met my wife at uh, at Masters University. At that point, it was Masters College. Uh, I was doing sound for chapel, and she was the singer. 
and uh, we were really good friends and it was really kind of is a long story so i don't want to give you all the details but like at the end of the day like uh, i went back to ecuador and she stayed in the states so we both were older when we went to masters and we both found ourselves kind of with broken plans and going back to our parents houses like at uh, the kind of kind of mid-20s and, and like that was not that was not the plan and i was just so encouraged to just have a friend in which we'll just chat and just realize that working through some of these things and then at some point it was almost like hey wait a minute <laughs> you know and uh, and we started like chatting more. Uh, yeah. So um, we got married in, in, in 2010 and five days later we came to Ecuador. Um, so it was like right away. My wife is, is, is uh, she's, she's an incredible woman. And uh, you know, she came with no Spanish. Now she counsels in Spanish and she's doing an incredible job. Um, and now we have two kids a three and a five year old. Um, they both were born here in Ecuador. Um, yeah. So, so we, we, we're pretty busy and just extremely grateful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Well, that's fascinating. I, I don't think I knew that you did sound for, for, uh, Chapel Media. I did sound in Chapel Media when I was a, a master's student back in the day too. Oh, there so, you go, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, another connection. <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't quite overlap at that time. A little bit older than you are. So there you go. Uh, actually, our mutual friend, Joe Keller, was the head of Chapel Media when I first, first started at master's. So that's... Uh, for those who go. know like, his timeline, Joe, <laughs> exactly. That's funny. That's absolutely. That's how I met Joe, and now it's such a blessing to to be with him at the BCC Council. So I, yeah. I love Joe, just a dear brother. Well, tell us, tell us a little bit about. You mentioned you grew up in Quito, and some some people know where that is. A lot of people don't. But what was what was childhood like growing up uh, there? Yeah. Yeah, well, Quito is uh, is uh, one of the tallest capitals in the world. We're in the, in Ecuador. Ecuador got its name based on the line, the equator. Now that goes right through the middle of the earth. So that's the name of, of the country. Uh, it's in South America. We speak Spanish. Um, the majority, there's a lot of uh, small uh, nationalities that speak like Quichuan that come back from like the Inca times, etc. cetera. Uh, so yeah, so I grew up here. Uh, my family was a, a family that was really connected to the Catholic church. My dad, um, you know, and I think that is even part of my desire for counseling to study counseling is that my dad grew up in a really rough situation. You know, my grandpa um, went to buy bread when my dad was six years old and then he never came back. And my dad found him like years later, you know, with another family. And, and my dad really worked through that anger and just trying to, to navigate that. And my dad would be really careful, but really he will share, you know, some, some of those things, you know, and um, a lot of alcoholism and, you know, like for me it was normal. Like whenever there was like a party, like right now we're in December and December is a crazy party time in Ecuador because the beginning of the month you have the foundation of Quito that is my city uh and that's like a big party you know so, so for me I have memories as a four five six year old you know like seeing people drunk around you you know and like people like trying to kind of take you to, to like a back room kind of like you know and like and things like that um so anyway so, so that's kind of the background and at the same time a lot of Catholicism I went to Catholic church from an early age um and with that, you know, just, 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 just navigating that kind of stuff, you know, this place is beautiful. So my dad made it, my mom and my dad made a really big effort for us to kind of travel. So getting to see those things. Um, and I always felt that I was a, a religious person. Uh, I always thought that I was close, um, to, I knew about God, you know, I, I didn't grow up with a place in which, you know, God was part of our, our stuff, you know, we, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about God, we pray, um, we even uh, during Christmas time, we'll go on and uh, give uh, little gifts to a, to a poor community up in the mountains and stuff. Um, and I'm getting kind of into my testimony, if that's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, but yeah, so, so that was my, my, my background. Um, and then it was at some point in 98, uh, when I was in, I think it was like 11, 10th grade. Uh, that at, 
uh, that some missionaries move into my neighborhood. And again, we were nice people. You know, we, we were good moral people. That's how we grew up. And uh, my brother, we had just come back from a trip to the United States. So my brother's riding his bike in the neighborhood. And he's like, hey, like there's some Americans here. I want to go practice my English. And he didn't know any English, but he was like, hey, I want to go practice because we had just been in the States. So literally we went and knocked at their door and uh, they were being in a really harsh situation. Some some people were taking advantage of them, you know, so they were charging him like crazy for different things, you know, that that if you would be from the from the city, you realize like, hey, that that's wrong. So we kind of took him under our, our wing and started helping them out um and through that i knew enough english to get in trouble but but they will ask me to translate gospel presentations so i remember being in parks like like you know like translating like you know like doing interpreting and saying like you know what like i kind of believe in this but i don't think it's that important because at the end of the day like i'm helping them so it was a lot about like you know what good things you're doing and i was doing a lot of great things because i'm helping them you know we're helping this we're even helping the missionaries like how i mean we don't need anything and it was there that a a short-term mission trip comes from the states from indio california and uh and uh, and i started to see that there was something different in them than, than me so i was a religious person that i thought i was close to god but like the way they, they fellowship the way the things that they will talk about they will talk about their sin they will talk about things you know i was i was you know in, in high school so i was all about trying to to build my world you know you're starting to build like where, where's the cool things that i can like put forward and things that i will hide you know so extreme sports was one of those things for me and these guys were like better at me than skateboarding and all those things but that was not their identity. Their identity would be Christ. And I was like, that is weird. And that was the first time they realized like, no, 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 I don't know God like they do. Uh, the next summer they invite me for an exchange student program, kind of like more of a, of a more, uh, I would say organic perhaps, you know, it wasn't with a big organization. They were like, Hey, like we'll send someone and, and you come here. And, and during that summer, the Lord saves me. Um, and, and that was the first time in which I realized like, wow, like, you know, I, I knew about God, but I was not, not known uh, by God. Um, and the Lord was so kind that the, that the girl that, uh, came to visit my family, uh, she was a strong believer, younger, um, and she would wake up and read her Bible and she would just ask, and she was a servant. Uh, she was actually going to masters either that year or the next year. So she would start to talk about masters. It was the first time I heard about that school. So when I came back, my parents were like also thinking like well like this is so weird like that that girl was just so interesting like we like you know so they were a lot more softened because if not it would have been really hard because my family was so so connected to catholicism in which it was it was just a huge opportunity for that so i was the first one to come to faith in my family and then it was just a blessing to see that the lord started saving many of them so yeah Hmm, that's fascinating so so through missionaries moving there short-term missions and exchange students the lord just kind of used all those influences and in your life and your families to yeah to to bring you to saving faith well tell it tell us a little bit i mean did everybody in your family come to faith like what how did that flesh out over the years yeah yeah i i think like for me it was just um um many of them and right now like yesterday we just had um a little um get together with the volunteers of our church and like my uncle and my aunt are there and all that kind of comes in from from that time you know um so so let me just kind of back up just a little because i think i think this 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 is kind of um important it's just that um i remember that when i was in the states one of the things in ecuador is that like you call you party and it's not like crazy crazy parties but you party and kind of is like the direction in which you start partying young like you start partying pretty young and then kind of keeps building up more to clubbing and more and i remember that i was kind of starting there and my 
dad was like really more like, Hey, and we, that was our, our point of like a lot of tension. So like Friday came around and I was say like, Hey, like there's a party. Can, can you give me permission to go? And they'll say like, yes. Or most of the time he'll say no. And then like, you know, my curfew was a lot earlier than all my friends. And that was like a point of like lots of tension with, with my dad and my mom. Um, and I remember calling from the States and being like, okay, like I just, um, I just put my faith in Christ and I know that I need to like, kind of like move away from all those things. So, so I know I'm going to go back to Ecuador. I'm going to see my friends and I'm going to want to go party. So like, um, I want you to say no, when I say those things, you know, <laughs> and I said that from the States and I remember regretting that so much when I get back, but it was just such a good thing because it, I think even the Lord used it with my mom and my dad to realize that and even with my brother and sister, um, so yeah, so they, they all by God's grace came, came to faith. And then through that, um, just even some people from, from my, my mom's side, uh, have come to faith. My grandma, uh, who's now like in her nineties came to faith as well. And, you know, so, so it's been just a, it's a, it's a beautiful testimony, beautiful testimony. Yeah. Well, praise, praise the Lord for that. Uh, so back up a little bit when you were a teenager, you mentioned extreme sports, you mentioned partying and stuff. What, what kind of stuff were you into as a teen? What were you, what were you like? as a team? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I, um, I loved sports, but I was not really good at it. So I had to work really hard. And I think that the Lord used that, um, also as a way to just keep me away from trouble. Um, my, uh, from, from one side of my family, there's like many generations of DJs. So it was one of those things in which there was a, you know, the party scene was part of our blood. You know, I remember, I mean, this is a crazy kind of story, but I remember one time kind of sneaking out of my parents' house and getting on a bus to go to a party. And I got to a party and it was like this cool, like kind of like top of the line, kind of like club thing. And I remember knocking at the door and I was like, there's no way they're going to let us in. And there's like a line of people and I go in and I look a lot of like my, my uncles that were the DJs. And it's like, Oh, and I remember what they, but they had a nickname and they were like oh da, 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 junior please come in and i was like wow like this is awesome you know like i just showed up and i just went through the for, you know and it's this like almost like pride thing of like you know what like he's partying early like that's awesome which no it's so wicked you know it's so wicked but but it was something that in my heart i could see like being like oh this is great but every time i would go in that way the lord would be so kind and showing me that that is not i really like sports and i realized that since since i wasn't the greatest i had to work really hard and i realized that if i if i started drinking and smoking and things like that at that age it it really messed up my, my, my performance in sports. So that kind of helped me not, not because of, a, of, of the Lord or anything. It just, I was just, just trying to stay away from that because of that. So, so I play soccer, I play basketball. Uh, that was a, that's another story, man. Just going to the States and realizing that I'm a lot shorter in U S standards, especially talking to you now, uh, <laughs> realizing that that's not going anywhere. I don't look um, super tall on the computer. So, you know, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but yeah, man. So, so that's kind of like doing sports. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and, and at that point, really, a lot of just trying to figure out what what was my identity on. Yeah. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the heartbeat of the Bible, brings life-changing hope and power to real people with real problems. Inspired by that conviction, the gospel for disordered lives provides an introductory guide to the theory and practice of Christ-centered biblical counseling, intended to serve as foundational textbook for students in Christian colleges, universities, seminaries, and graduate schools the book also provides a useful overview that working counselors can reference in their ministry context. Additionally, it can serve pastors and current counseling practitioners as a helpful refresher and a resource for common counseling problems. I love this new textbook. I'm going to use it in my training, and I hope you will too. Now, you you end up, you find out about master's because of this exchange student, uh, and then your parents are kind of interested in it. What actually led you to go there, and what were you, what were you studying initially? Yeah. 
Um, so, um, I'm in the States, my dad, we were in the States. Um, and that's another part of the story. My dad went, went to scholarship, uh, through the government to be able to study human resources, uh, and, and like adult education and stuff like that at GW in Washington, DC. So we get the whole family, we move there. And that's a long story too, because of corruption, my dad had won the, the, the contest the year before. And, uh, and because of, of, of corruption, they literally, we, we had already sold some things and because of corruption, they said like, no, you, you can go. There were people that were after my dad and they were like, you can go. And, and that, that for me was like super heartbreaking because I saw not only the, I was, that was the time in which I was realizing my own sinfulness. And then just not only to see my sinfulness, but the sinfulness of people outside that would be really spiteful to try to, to make this not happen, you know? Um, and, and I was really angry and that was, that was a really hard season. And, and that's where the Lord used to, to around that time when I go to the States, et cetera, all know that happened. Um, so anyway, so, so we go to the States, my dad finishes his education and then they go back to Ecuador. And I was, I had the, the opportunity to either stay and study under a um, um, student visa or go back. And I did some research. And if I went back, I had to redo, I think it was 11th and 12th grade. So it was like, there's no way. So I had to try to stay in a way. So we, ended, I, yeah, so I ended up staying. And then it was really hard because as an immigrant, you know, my language skills were low. I remember going to, um, um, to a school counselor and I was like, I really want to go to college. And it's like, no, no, just go to a trade school. Like you, you just, just go to a trade school, like just secure something. And I was like, no, no, I really want to go to college. I, I really want. So I kind of, kind of had to fight that thing through. Um, I, I, some people from church for the first time, you know, at that point I was a believer and, um, and it was a blessing that some people from church were like, okay, we're going to help you with that. Um, so I applied to a bunch of schools and uh, I even got some scholarships, but I didn't know how to fill out those applications. So then I then they'll find out that I was an international. And like the scholarships, obviously they will go away. They were like, no, that's for a, that's for a U.S. citizen. That's for, you know, and that was so, so discouraging. And then my mentor that now has been ascended to be with the Lord, uh, Tom Leake at a church in Maryland. Um, he was like, Hey, you, I think you should go to masters. And I was like, I don't even know what this is about, <laughs> you know, but, but he was such a dear friend and a, and a dear mentor, uh, discipling me. And, you know, when I didn't have a place to live, they, they, they let me into their house and stuff. And so I honestly applied because he told me to apply, but I was like, there's no way I can't even afford the public schools. How am I going to apply, uh, afford like the, the, the private school? Like, there's no way, like I'm just doing it because he told me to. So I do that. And and then they give me the bill and the bill is huge. <laughs> you know? So I was like, okay, there you go. It's not happening. And and at that point, brother, and, and again, like this is kind of all crazy, but at that point I was um, kind of volunteering with, um, with uh, a, a travel company that would do kind of evangelism and like pro-life stuff and all that kind of stuff on the road on various music festivals around the U.S. Uh, so I'm like in the like driving, you know. So I apply. I'm like I'm not on the show. Probably gonna go to community college next year or something like that. I'm already in community college. That's probably what I'm gonna do. Um, and I'm in. The, I'm I'm driving, and uh, and masters already told me like, okay, you can't afford it. Um, and then. I, I was blogging back there before blogging was cool. Like, I don't think WordPress was even available back then. It was like a, a website called Zenga. So I used to blog there and, and in ways that only like just the providence of the Lord brother, like I, I, um, I sent a blog and like some people, friends of a friend of a friend, they're like, Hey, like, I always wanted to go to that school. I would love to help you like 
for you to study. And they like really helped in, in like huge ways, like an incredible, and they didn't even know me. Um, and, and they started helping me. But even through that, I still, there was a gap. So I was like, ah, even like that, you know, I, I, there's a, a saying in Spanish, there's like, you swim the whole way to die, like in the, in the shore, <laughs> you know, and, and that's how I felt. Um, so, so right around that time, I remember I was in New Mexico at a gas station, just, you know, putting gas on the van with a trailer and I get a call and I'm like, this is a call. I don't know who this is. And I'm like, Hey, like you take, because I'm not supposed to pick up a call when, when I'm on the phone. like the air. So I go in, I open the, the call and it's like, Hey, like it's from masters. And, um, right now, because of the situation that was happening in Eastern Europe, like one of our students can come in and you're the next person down the, the, the line. Um, and, uh, and with that, it was like almost to the scent that it will cover my tuition, brother. And it was absolutely incredible just to see the Lord's provision. And then after that, there was one more step that meant that I had to go back from the States to Ecuador and ask for a visa. And that's also a crazy story because I am there in line. And uh, around that time, like you couldn't get that many visas. You know, my sister went with this huge folder with some people from the States that were helping her financially, financial aid, all those things. And, and my sister got denied like the year before. And I go there and I literally, my folder is like three pages, you know, it's the, ac the acceptance letter from masters. And then an email from someone that I don't really know saying like, Hey, we'll help you. And those two things are my only thing, you know, and everybody's coming in with this huge folders with like bank accounts and like tax returns and everything proving. And they're saying no. And I come in with this. So I'm like literally shaking as I'm waiting for my name and I'm like, I need to do something. I need to do something. So, so I, I pick up my backpack and I, I came out and I think it was like, let the nations be glad or desiring God. Uh, and I just opened the book and I start reading. And um, the, the, at that point they're telling the story and I'm going to mess up their names. I don't remember, but there's a story in the chapter of persecution about, I think his name is Anastasia or something in which like, there's this young lady that, uh, that, uh, that was meeting, um, like obviously like, um, kind of, uh, being persecuted. Um, and like the, the police will come in and beat him up and they will tell him like, if you meet again, like well, this will happen to you again. And it happened once another time and another time. And the story tells that at some point they come in and they come in and they're going to beat up this, 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 this teenager, this girl. And, uh, and one of the, the main guys, like the leader says like, do not touch her. And one of the guys says like, okay, like, fine. You want to beat her up? That's fine. You can beat her up. And then he says like, no, I beat her up so much that I haven't even beat up people, older people. And she's still here. Um, oh man, I'm getting emotional sharing this. Whatever she has is something we don't have. And, and it shares that story of like the faithfulness, man. And I'm like sitting there in the, in the, in the waiting room, waiting for my appointment. And I start crying, man. And so I'm crying. And then at that point it's like Munkai or my number. So I come forward. I'm, I'm literally like kind of crying. I'm like trying to like there, but I'm like, man, like, like if there's people getting persecuted around the world for like the gospel, like, and, and the Lord is doing such incredible things. Like if I get a visa, that's cool. If I don't get a visa and I want to do things right, like that's okay. And God will have a plan. And I remember the face of like the the council i don't know like the person is there but but, but the worker there and is asking me questions like hey like so where are your bank accounts and i'm like i don't have any uh so wh what are you doing it's like well like i send and i said the same story i'm sharing with you and i'm like that's what's happening and i feel that if god wants me to be there i'm gonna be there and you're gonna give me a visa if not that's okay and i remember their face being like uh, uh, oh you know and then like kind of like chuckling being like you know what like you you have a visa you know, 
And I remember coming out and my family are like, wow, like that's like, because we've seen so many people getting denied with all this crazy stuff. And, and anyways, man, I don't even remember what your original question was, but, um, but that, that was incredible. And just to see the Lord's hand. And that's how I ended up in masters. And in masters, I met my wife and at masters, I got introduced to biblical counseling and, and, and masters. I met with some of my best friends. Um, and, and it was just such a sweet time. And just to see that the Lord has orchestrated every, every step of the way. And, and it was going to be fine if I stayed in Ecuador, uh, but the Lord had a plan. And, and now I'm back home, which is absolutely crazy because everybody of my family now lives in the States. Uh, and it, there was someone that was going to be in the States forever was me. And, and I'm not like I'm serving here back home in my country. That's wild. Well, that's a, thanks for sharing that. And it definitely is a testimony to the Lord's faithfulness, his provision, his providence, and maybe the benefit of taking a small application packet so the worker doesn't feel like they have to wade through 15 pages. <laughs> no. Maybe, that's right. Yeah, Never thought yeah. about it that no, way, but sure. Well, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. Whether that was a, played a part in it, he used that or not, that's that's great. Wow. Uh, so, so, yeah, tell us a little bit, because um, I think my question was, how what were you originally studying? Because if I remember right, you did not go to study biblical counseling, but you got introduced to it there. So tell us about that transition. What did you go to study, and how did you get uh, introduced to biblical counseling, and what did that yeah. What did I do to your yeah. life? <laughs> no, that, that's awesome. So yeah, so I went to masters and um, and uh, my uh, I wanted to study business administration. I heard that the program there was great, so so I, I love that. But but at the same time, it was my first time in a Christian school, so I was like eating up all the Bible possible, you know. So it's funny because after I graduated, uh, whenever they give you the robe, and I don't remember the name, like the hood or something, and they're different colors, people will look at me like, "Wait, you are not a Bible major," <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you know, kind of things like that. Um, so. So it was it was at Masters um, that I think in, that kind of like ties in into what will, ha- will happen in the future, just even coming back home. Um, and uh, I was in um, the first year because of Chapel Media, um, the same thing we were talking. I did sound for Chapel, but also I will get to do sound for, um, you know, small SLS events, servant leadership staff events. And uh, for those of you that don't know, um, I don't know what's the situation now, but back then, you know, SLS is literally biblical counseling training. You know, you're just working on how to get to the heart of stuff with the students. And for me, that was crazy because um, just a few years before I had been introduced to expository preaching, but it was, you know, like the pastor preaching. But then I realized that when I get to masters, you had chapels and you had chapels Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, incredible speakers, you know, like you, you have like the top of the line of expositors and that was absolutely helpful. Absolutely. But what was happening in my heart was that like this, this students, many of them younger than me, because I went to school a little later, uh, were ministering to my heart, like so well and asking me good questions. I was like, what is this? So then when I started going to make sound, uh, uh, set up sound for these meetings, uh, you know, Joe Keller, um, um, uh, Tadlock, Mark Tadlock, they're just sharing about like the heart and these things. And I was like, that, that's what I want. I didn't even know it was called biblical counseling. I just thought it was just, you know, like helping people with, with life. <laughs> um, so that's how I get introduced to it. And, uh, um, again, I don't know how, but like knock at the door is like, Hey, like, can I take a team to my country? And he's like, well, like this is your first year. We usually don't do that. <laughs> so we need to know you before, but again, like the Lord gives me grace and uh, I end up like leading the team. So I ended up being just not doing sound, but also being part of SLS that first year. And that absolutely like changed, changed me. And, and that was my introduction to, to eventually learn that that's like biblical counseling. And, you know, they made us read uh, instruments in the hands of the redeemer. And then through that kind of opened the door, like what, what other books are like this? And then a master's, the conversations. And, and that's how I got introduced, brother. Like, yeah, I, I graduated as a business major. Yeah. So, you know, take us through this journey, but now 
what are you doing? Uh, you just went back to school. So tell everybody what you're doing now while you're studying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So, so pretty much, um, after graduating from, from school, I had other plans to stay in the U S you know, leave the American dream and nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, but I just want to be focused on like serving. And at that point, the Lord breaks all my plans. So even from, from relational plans and future marriage plans to like work scenario plans, um, because what I mentioned to you before that, uh, I was working with, um, with like music stuff. And I had like, I had been a kind of a roadie guy and I had like some job, um, offers from like really big stuff, you know, it related even to, uh, Weldon media and, you know, like the, the Narnia thing that was going with Disney at that point and all that. And I had like this crazy job offers, like everything was set up after I graduated, like this was going to be awesome. And within a few months, everything was on the ground, like nothing was working, you know? Um, so at that point, um, a dear brother, uh, I think, you know, um, uh, uh dear, dear brother, uh, Gunner, <laughs> uh, he, he, he takes me and, you know, he lets me go on and live with them. And that year is just a year of like, just working through stuff in my heart realizing that even some of the stuff of biblical counseling, um, I needed in my own heart during that hard season, you know, broken dreams and broken plans. And even realizing sometimes that many people didn't know how to like work with me. And it was almost like, okay, like, all right, like, all right, it happened. Like, come on, move forward. And not even allowing sometimes to, to just see like, this is hard times, you know, and that, that level that, that really changed me even as a counselor now thinking about that, you know, uh, anyways. So, so with that, eventually I'm like, you know, I, I need to, I need to, I see that I'm holding this idea of staying in the U S too, too tightly. Um, I need to think differently. And I start praying. And at that point I want to go to the, to the 1040 window. You know, there's some people from masters and from around their friends that that's what they want to do. And I'm like, let's go, let's do that. And a friend tells me, Hey, like if you go there, you should not go straight from the U S but go to your Ecuadorian, go to Latin America. And then from Latin America go, because that's going to open more doors because it's Latin America culture, you know, like connections with the U S that, that cannot look that, you know, they don't look good when you get there, et cetera, things like that. Uh, so I get back home to Ecuador. Uh, again, the Lord changes my plans and, and I'm here to be here for a little time and then just go somewhere else. And as I get here, brother, like it was, it was heartbreaking because Ecuador is known as one of the main places for missions, you know, like ACJB world radio, um, Jim Elliott's story and all those things happen here in my country. But at the same time I came in and those two things that had like shaped me so much expository preaching and like biblical counseling, expository counseling in the words of, of Dr. Street. Um, for me, those things were just not present, you know? Um, so I start translating for things. That's kind of like a way that I'm, I'm kind of like trying to live here by doing some translations. And I find myself in, in, in God's providence and important meetings with like some key leaders of the country and key leaders in the evangelical movement and their brothers. Um, but at the same time, sometimes when you ask him like, okay, so what do you think God is doing? It will go kind of both ways. You know, one way it was like, you know what, like God, you know, is about like social change. And I was like, well, like, I don't, I don't see the cross there. And in the other sense, it would be a lot of like legalism, you know, it's like, you know, my, my people don't drink, don't, you know, like my whole story at the beginning is like, you, you just don't do that anymore. And that's, I was like, yeah, like, but, but that's just moralism. That's not really, you know, gospel center. So then um, my mentors in the state said, like, Hey, like, have you thought about like, just stay in Ecuador? You already have the language. You already can see things that probably missionaries won't be able to see. And in God's Providence, we connect with a group of people that were um, thinking about church planting. That's another long story, but I'm going to make it short. Um, so we end up just kind of working together to plant a church. Um, and that's how we end up getting uh, staying here in Ecuador. No? And, and we've been here now since 2000. Um, 
but I got back in 2009, 2010. So, so yeah. So, so since that time we've been here now, I have the privilege of, of shepherding this incredible church called La Fuente. And um, yeah, those are two of our main pillars, you know, expository preaching, expository counseling, and, and the Lord has blessed it brother by God's grace. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And you, cause you went back and did a, a master's in biblical counseling. If, and, and I think for your thesis, part of it was you translated uh, videos for into sp- for the training uh, for ACBC certification into Spanish, uh, which was a, is a just phenomenal resource that's out there for people to take advantage yeah. of. No, I, and that's a crazy thing, brother. If I may interrupt you, like I I want to do an MDF, and again, my, my my reference schools in the states did not have anything online. The places that I wanted to go, so I went to another school that's faithful. I loved it, and they allowed me to not move again. Because as if you see all this, people were like, "If you go back to the states, you're staying, man." Like you know, so try to do something from home. So that's that was like a big thing. And the cool thing about this program, it was that the last year you have a whole year internship. So like your last year, you know, two classes at the beginning two classes the first semester, two classes the second semester, you kind of get to choose like what projects you want to be part of. And one of them was doing these videos, you know? So, so again, like our desire was not going anywhere else. We just want to be faithful in our local church. And we had a group of five to 10 leaders, maybe like possible leaders, you know? And that's like, like, you know, when, when there's like someone that is like kind of faithful, it's like, oh, you're going to be a leader kind of thing. <laughs> so you just wanted them to, to watch. And I was like, okay, how do I train him in biblical counseling? I'm still kind of navigating some of those things at a more formal thing. So I found some videos on, online from BCDA. And again, it's so funny, the biblical counseling world with all the acronyms. So this was biblical counseling discipleship association of Southern California. And they had some videos online and YouTube. Um, so we translated one and uh, we put it online. And then during an, an ACBC conference, got to meet dear brother, Wayne, Wayne Johnson, Justin. And, uh, and he, he, he gave me access to be able to translate all of them. We did this whole thing. We translated them, but what was really neat brother is that, uh, we, I gave that the link of the this first four videos that was like kind of the core uh, to our leaders. And we're like, okay, like watch him. And I'm like kind of looking at the, at the views just to make sure that people are watching him. And uh, we go from like one to like five views to 10 views to a hundred views to 500 views to like thousands of views. And then I'm like, like other people are watching this. So we put an email with it, with the videos and we start getting, um, uh, messages from all over Latin America saying like, Hey, like this is, uh, there's nothing like this at, at that point. Um, so please like, can you please help us? And through that, it's where, where the Lord just allows us a huge privilege to, um, to, to, to train people around, you know, and then people are sending us emails, like, please, can you, can you, can you tell us like more information other than these videos? So uh, part of one of my projects was to create that curriculum. So I created a curriculum with the videos. I'm like, I like videos, but, but you can just train biblical counselors with videos. You, you need some interaction. So include those kind of elements. Um, I take a class at master's with the MABC with a personal sanctification project and Bible memorization. So kind of did that all together. And that's how kind of it, the Lord just uses it brother. And it's just crazy because um, I've had the privilege to, to travel a little bit here in the region. And then someone just looks at, are you weird? And I'm like, Hey, hi. It's like, you're the voice. And I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and they're like, you're the voice behind those videos. Like, Oh, and you know, like incredible stories of the Lord's kindness and what 
which, you know, someone was looking at uh, from a training perspective and also from, from a counseling perspective, you know, um, I was going through some really bitter thoughts about some situation that happened to me and looked at the video on, on forgiveness. And it was the first time that I realized, you know, that the Lord has forgiven me and that I need to forgive others on how to forgive others. And it's just, I mean, I mean, it's, it's just such a privilege, brother. Like I, I can't, you know, it's, I, I can't even express it into words. Just what a privilege to, to, to be able to, to, to be used in that way. Yeah, you know? no, absolutely. I think uh, a lot of our audience can relate to that just in the sense that we love, we love helping people and to get to be in the front row as God is working in people's lives and our own. Hopefully we, we are looking in the mirror too. Uh, it's, yeah, there's just nothing like it, and it's phenomenal. So, um, so t- tell everybody, you started a PhD recently. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you studying? Where are you going? How's that going for you? Yeah. Um. Again, like I was running away from any further studies. Oh, I know. You know, we were um, chasing I, you I, down. But <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. Exactly. That's true. So thankfully, uh, there's people like you and others that were like, "Hey, brother, like by God's kindness, um." Um, you know, there's some grace there in which the Lord is using in Latin America. And there's not many PhDs in Latin America in, in biblical counseling. So after much prayer and much like fighting against it and getting dear friends like you and others being like, hey, like <laughs> you should consider this. Um, so I started a PhD. I, I got accepted. I think it was like almost over a, a year and a half ago, or a little more. But the church is small, so I didn't want. I want to be careful and get things with the family, also like in a good place. Um, so yeah, I started the PhD at Midwestern. Um, that's um, this is the background of uh, you know I like the background of this is their their library, it's pretty cool, the Spurgeon Library. So yeah, I'm starting. Um, but I just started, you know. So I'm, I'm just on my second um, seminar starting next, uh, you know, like early next year. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really ex- excited. I'm, I'm I've talked to you. I've talked to others also just even thinking of some dissertation topics. So even if there's people that listen to this and are involved in missions and biblical counseling, we'll love to get ideas. I'm trying to think how can I serve better? Um, yeah. yeah. Well, it's exciting. It's exciting to see. Um, we've talked some, some in biblical counseling have talked about almost like a third wave of missions. Like the first wave was just going and sharing the gospel. The second wave was kind of like, oh, well, let's teach some doctrine and theology too, to make sure there's not syncretism and other stuff going on. And then, people realizing, oh, these people have problems. Like we need to <laughs> And so biblical counseling in some areas is almost like the third wave of missions. And it's so awesome to see uh, people like you and others who are just making it happen there. And it's, it's been encouraging to watch and, and we will, I know I pray for you and I hope our, I'm sure our audience will pray for you guys as well. So tell me what's maybe, um, I ask people what's the hardest, some of the hardest things they face in counseling and then things that keep them going. Um, so I want you to answer honestly, but if you, if you, if there's anything unique to your context, uh, I think our audience would appreciate understanding that as well. Yeah. Um, well, man, that's, that's a, there's a, that's a big question. Um, l- let me just go back a little bit to the mission things. If you sure. don't mind, just give a quick context. Uh, you, you, this um, is your show. So do what yeah. you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, no. Um, so, so, but I just think that'd be helpful to hear this, that um, I did not do all the translation from the videos, you know, with more the editor and uh, something that we try to do as a ministry here is that, you know, if there's someone that is a really good translator, um, I, we want to give him also, also like opportunities to, to survive, you know, like uh, an income. So we have an incredible translator in our church. Like she's absolutely great. And she's theologically trained, you know, and kind of 
to a lot of your training that second school that you just mentioned, you know, reach him, then like teach him and that stuff. And, and, um, and I said like, Hey, we have this projects. We're going to work on this. And I, and I send her the videos and I will edit this stuff, you know? So in the first couple of videos, you could see that there was a lot of like integrationism, like hardcore into some of the stuff that she trains. Like they can't mean this. It's like, yeah, that's, that's what they're saying. Like, you know, so we'll go through that at the beginning, but then eventually like she started to like kind of fall behind in some of the translation projects. Like, Hey, what's happening. So we had a conversation with her and she comes in like with tears in her eyes saying like, again, like I've been in seminary for so long. I've done all this translations and, you know, she's, she, she, she helps in so many things. And she's like, this is the first time that I see some of these things in my own life, you know, like what you were saying, you know, and I was like, this is such a good example because this is someone that, that people will hire her in, in a heartbeat to translate all sorts of stuff. And she was getting to this like biblical counseling stuff and realizing I've never seen this before. And, and I find that experience happening a lot in, in Latin American, which people that have been in trainings and seminaries and things. Uh, and that's like even my concern, even for, for uh, biblical counseling in Latin America in the future is that even some of the seminaries today, Many of them have translated their preaching stuff, their New Testament, Old Testament systematics, but even like um, uh, biblical counseling in some programs, then good seminaries is not really available yet. So anyways, uh, so, so I think it's just so important. So, so I love what you said. And then regarding the other question, bro, that's a hard question to answer. Uh, I think for me would be that um, one would be just trying to clarify what biblical counseling is um, in Ecuador, especially uh, there's this sense of um, healing, you know, and, and it's not as full out as prosperity gospel and kind of that, that kind of stuff claiming, but there's like a little softer version of that, that whenever we said that we're biblical counselors, that's where people will come to, you know, and, um, and, you know, and so, so I think that that would be from a contextual perspective of, of what would it look like? You know, you have a really syncretistic culture and you know, there's a lot of mixing things. So I think that that would be something important as a, as a practical thing that it's hard, you know? Um, then I think that also I feel as biblical counselors is like hard stuff. I think for me, one of the hardest things and most beautiful things has been when like counseling goes wrong, you know, uh, that, that things that you try to do something and, and, uh, and and you realize that you've done mistakes or you know like even just in the province of god you can meet with someone or things like that and and, and it just doesn't go that that great and but at the same time the encouragement to see at the other side that there's times in which i feel that i've done everything right as much as possible and the council lee still decides to like leave or the still decides to like you know and and and, and it's super hurtful you know and, and even you have to guard your own heart because you know in, in some situations like there's just really hard things happening and like your family family suffers because dad is not around as much as he would like to, because there's like this really hard thing and to see that people leave. And in the other sense, you see other counseling situations in which you realize that, I oh, mean, I could have done things better. And that person just grows and trusts in Christ and like goes. And, and I think that, that, that for me, it's something that I, every time, and I, and I hope I, I never get to a place. It's like, Oh yeah, that's the way, but I just want to engage with both, you know, like celebrate what at the same time, be humble to realize, like, I still have a lot of growth to do uh, and to enjoy the Lord as he does that. And, and also cry with those that cry and, um, you know, and not be surprised when people take the, the, the broad road, I think it's in English, the broad road, um, but I still love him till the end, man. Um, so, so I think that's been something that's hard, especially with the pandemic, man, you know, like the pandemic has squeezed churches and you see people that, that you thought they were a lot stronger in their faith. And then you talk to them and they, you know, they were just coming, they're just doing the rhythms and other people that were just brand new. Now they're like grabbing to Christ with everything. And you're like, so encouraging. So that's hard as a pastor. That's hard as a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Well, I'm excited. Uh, we're going to have to 
I'm looking at the timer here. We're going to have to wrap up. But one thing I'm excited about, too, seeing is, uh, and we've talked about this before, we've we've been together in different oper- in different places, the expansion of different things in Ecuador, Mexico, Colombia. I mean, you guys are having conferences and stuff. But on the resource side, too, I love the shift away from translation to actually writing. Uh, and so many, because you guys, there's, as you know, as having done translation work, there's language translation, but there's also culture translation, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, especially in counseling. Yeah, yeah, especially in counseling, because yeah. there's just going to be what impacts people or the how you in, interact with each other is going to be slightly different. But even the the examples that people use, I've talked to somebody who was uh, using trying to translate a work that in I think in Japanese that. And the illustration given was the difference between a dryer and a line, like hanging your clothes out to a line. And I guess in Japan, the, that just wouldn't translate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So exactly. Having, having people who know the culture, who grew up in it, live it, writing stuff, we don't need to just translate uh, the state stuff there. That's, that's super exciting to me. So anyway, um, well, we're going to wrap up with two-minute favorites. I know you've been on the show before, so if you haven't gotten to hear about <laughs> – uh, what's going on in Ecuador a little bit more. I encourage you to look through our archive and find my previous episode with Juan. And uh, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. So you can check it, find it a little bit easier. Um, but we're going to do two minute favorites with you again anyway. So you ready for this? I think so, man. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I kind of, I'm long winded. So I don't know how to do with this, uh, this questions. We'll see. Let's try it, bro. Let's try it. If not, I start speaking Spanish. <laughs> I think David Pallison answered about three. Other people try to get through the whole list. So we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So the objective is to answer three then now. You're, you're in good company. If you, the fewer you get. Exactly. So, I don't right. know the depth, bro. <laughs> all right, here we go. Uh, and what is your favorite food? My favorite food right now is uh, encebollado. That is like a soup, but like a fish soup. And it's awesome because it's the, the food that we do with all my, my homies here, my amigos. Favorite color? Uh, blue. Favorite sport? I like soccer. Favorite sports team? Um, I'm going to get in trouble for this. So I like Independiente del Valle and LAFC. All right. Independiente del Valle is my, for my, my town. Yeah. Uh, favorite gift you've ever received? Oh man, that's good. One, um, my 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 in-laws one time gave me uh, a New Testament, a Greek New Testament that I have it right here. Um, it, it was really special, and, and and I know it was it was a big effort to get it, so that was super special. Mm. Favorite gift you've ever given? Um, well, I don't know if like getting engaged counts as a gift, but like giving that that that, <laughs> that engagement ring was pretty cool. <laughs> Those can be a hefty gift, yeah, for sure. Uh, favorite <laughs> ice cream flavor. Amora ice cream. This is the same one as last time, man. It's like uh, this. Uh, it's called. It's kind of a, a dark berry that grows in uh, high altitude mountains. Hmm. You know, and my kids love it. So yeah, it's good times. Favorite candy? Oh man, I'm not a candy kind of guy, so I'm not sure what to tell you there. Uh, can I say just a cookie, man? <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite book of the Bible? Um, I love Ephesians. Uh, I love Ephesians. And then David Paulson comes to mind as well. You know, all your counseling you can do through Ephesians and teaching through Ephesians was, was yeah. absolutely awesome. Mm. Favorite book outside of scripture. 
Um, I really, oh man, that, that's a hard question, right? I could tell you which one is right now. Um, the shepherd as, as, as leader. And also, oh, I just keep my mind right now is Jefferson, uh, the minister, a shepherd, the minister, mm, a shepherd yeah. by Jefferson. I, that, I really enjoy that book. Uh, favorite word. Oh man. <laughs> I don't uh, I like the names of my kids and my wife's name. I just really like saying those words. Those yeah. are good words. That's probably the best answer I've heard yet. Well, that wraps up our our two minute favorites as well as our time together one. Thanks for uh translating soccer into English or to American for us. And uh <laughs> and thanks for being with us on 1514 today. Yep, that's right. That's right. Well, thanks for being on the show with us today, brother. Grateful for you and thanks for everybody and like please support the, the work that the bcc does i'm so grateful for that and just even your your emphasis on not only the u.s but internationally it's such a need so so please please um support this great ministry thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514 if you'd like to find out more about the biblical counseling coalition you can visit our website at biblicalcc.org Special thanks to our podcast engineer, James Wills, who does all the post-production editing to make this podcast sound so wonderful. Also want to thank my assistant, Carrie Felton, for helping to arrange these interviews. And a special thanks to Andrew Riddell, who composed and recorded the music we use on 1514. I hope you have a wonderful day.